super dope entry, Mr. Chris Moore. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. It is Brooks, and I'm back for another episode of Barbell Buddha Rediscovered. This one is episode 52, and it's called Coming Down the Mountain. And if you don't know that song, I feel bad for you because, uh, yeah, you don't know good music. Or at least that good piece of good music. Come on. Um, I'm clearly caffeinated. It's coffee number two, and I'm excited to be with you. Oh man, there's a lot to talk about today, but we're gonna let's just start with the easiest thing to do, and that's give you a highlight of what you can expect today. Um, I'm gonna I have two clips from Chris. One is about the power of constraints, and the other one is story time, and that's an excellent, excellent way to close the show, and we'll definitely do that. And there is a section in Chris's episode that I haven't pulled a clip from, but I think it's valuable to give you just a summary of what he was saying. He opened up with an, uh, an idea about reverse mentorship, and the synopsis is basically this. We tend to look uh, ahead at people in front of us for mentorship. And uh, But there might be some areas in our life where we can look backwards. Um, in this case, we're talking about generationally to find uh, our, our way forward. So traditionally, our mentors are going to be older than us. Um, but depending on the subject that you want to learn from, it actually might be advantageous to look backward at younger generations to see what they're doing. And the example that Chris gave was this. He was describing how his parents, given the way and the, the access that they had to technology, their relationship to technology is basically still trying to figure out how to mess with a VHS into a, into a VCR, right? I, I don't know if you've ever, if you grew up with tapes, if you're young enough to not have grown up with tapes, um, wow, you are quite young. I, I loved videotape. That was like my favorite way to watch movies. But his parents only could really figure out the VHS tape. And then he draws contrast to his son, who at this time in the story is roughly two years old, probably a little bit older than that. And Chris was describing how intuitive it is for little Max to open up an iPad, go to his favorite app, add an update, and be playing games just effortlessly, okay? And so that the point Chris is making here is instead of looking ahead uh, in the traditional sense of mentorship at his parents for guidance, it actually would be advantageous to do a reverse mentorship to look at his son and what his son is going to be naturally more inclined to excel at to know where Chris should direct his attention, knowing that he'll never be as capable as his son given the access that Max has had from the very beginning, but he can constantly be looking at that generation to learn from. And the reason I, I found that valuable is because as a business owner um, and, you know, as someone who likes learning, I too tend to look up for advice, people that um, I see as either digital mentors or actually friendly mentors of mine, and they tend to be older. But if I want to be in this game a long time, and I do want to be in the game for a long time, Looking back at some of the younger generation and seeing what they need, where they're looking, and how they're executing it in the marketplace, um, what apps they're using, what platforms they're using, the style that they're putting out there, there's a lot to learn by looking backwards at what the next generation is doing. Because if you plan on being here 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, in your profession or in your craft, it stands to reason that those future leaders are young right now, following their trajectory and understanding where they're looking will serve you and your ability to be, as Chris put it, 
plastic, or another word might be flexible, in your tools and tactics as you get older. And I thought that was really cool. And I don't know if I wanted to, you know, it takes Chris about 16 minutes to land on the point, but it is worth listening to if you desire. So if you want, head over to Barbell Buddha, listen to episode 52, and the first 16 and a half minutes is about the, uh, I guess, the value of reverse mentorship. Okay. Um, let's move into our first clip. This is Chris discussing the power of constraints. Now, the lens that I want you to try to take on here is thinking about where we are. Again, I know that it's uh, it, this is evergreen material Chris is delivering, but in the context that I'm sitting in with you right now, it's like March 27, 2020. It's the middle of the coronavirus pandemic in the United States, and I don't want to keep harping on it, but... These tools are particularly valuable given these circumstances. A lot of us are at home with more time than we've ever had, and we might be spending it unwisely, might be spending it doing things that don't really yield any sort of return. And a lot of times it's because we don't know what to do exactly. There's so many things that we could be doing that it is challenging sometimes to know exactly what we should be doing. We could do anything, but what should we do? I don't know, I have too many choices, I can't figure it out. Chris, I believe, has a great point for us to answer that exact question, all right? So keep in mind, this is something that we can apply going forward in our life right now. Okay, Chris, it's your turn, buddy. Take it away. Another thing I was thinking about earlier in the week some other thing I read, <laughs> some other essay that, fuck, I have a hard time, man. It's probably the tequila, to be honest with you. But I have a hard time remembering these authors' names. I've never been good at that. But I read this essay on constraint, which is a really interesting idea. And this guy was telling a story about, um, I think this, this has like practical training benefits, so, so bear with me. Um, he was telling a story about moving into a new house, and he had all this furniture he had to get arranged. So he was talking about like, his bedroom. He's got a headboard that is a certain size and some end tables that have to go next to the end board. So he goes, if I go into a room and go, okay, I could put the furniture in here any number of ways. Um, you get kind of paralyzed with all of the possibilities. Like, well, should I put it there or there? Well, it's better. I don't know. You know, you get fucking bogged down in all the possibilities. Uh, that's where limitless possibilities are actually not a good thing. But he said, well, let me look at the dimensions of the walls. Go, well, what turns out if I measure actually, this is something that guys aren't good at measuring in planning <laughs> because if I measure it then it turns out there's only one wall that the headboard can work in and if I make that first decision then everything else naturally comes second to that so if I put the bed in place and the headboard two tables go here the lamps go there because those things are there then the, the dresser has to go over here you see how once you make that first efficient decision everything else sort of falls into place you know, from the limitations you can know what you must do you can know what's actually possible you get over the paralysis I, I read that opening line, that story, and I immediately started brainstorming to other things and how it's the same thing for, let's say, finding your passion. I always get so fucking mad because I can look back and people would tell me, oh, Chris, you're frustrated in your corporate job, which I'm now leaving. You're frustrated. What you really need to do, and this could be friends, it could be a book, it could be a motivational fucking thing you found on YouTube, whatever. You know the drill. Somebody says, you got to find your passion. What would you do today for free, if you didn't have to worry about money. And then what do you go, what do you do? You go, okay, well, that sounds like it's a good idea. I agree with that. 
But turns out that that's not fucking helpful at all because there's all kinds of things you would do, right? There's all kinds of things. When everything could be a passion, then you're paralyzed by the choice. Um, so you need the constraint. You need some sort of limits. Like what's within reach that is fun for you to do? What do you need to do? What gives you the most possible energy? What would make you happy right now, most happy? If you, if you apply that attitude, you start putting some boundaries around what you could do. And now you start thinking, well, well, obviously if I could just do whatever I want now, then maybe this thing is the next best thing. It doesn't have to be your passion, your lifelong pursuit, your lifelong purpose in this realm, which there's many things you could do. But narrowing things down to a certain set of choices frees you, actually. <laughs> Strangely enough, it gives you, okay, if I just put all my effort in that, then a couple other possibilities will open up. And I keep making this decision of what's best for me right now. What, what would give me the most in return? I think the same thing. That, that sort of idea of the constraint is very, very useful when you, you talk about how you're going to train your body and what you're going to go for goal-wise. So consider all the aims, the combinations, the sets and reps and loads of shit you could do on any given day in a gym. The combinations, I guess, have to be maybe in the millions of things you could do. And that's, that's paralyzing. If somebody asks you, what's the, right, what's the right combination of things for you? We'll give you the most benefit, those bang for your fucking buck. How are you supposed to know? If somebody asks me right now, Chris, what are you, what's the best possible thing you could be doing? I go, fuck, man. I don't know. I, I, that's after being in this game for like 20 years, studying it and trying to figure it out. I don't know. Well, what's the trick I would even use now? Well, I have to think of my constraints. I think, what is the biggest goal I need to work on? You know, for me, it's, it's less and less about strength now, more and more about preservation, mobility, and position, and learning how to use my body better, because that's what's giving me the biggest bang for my buck. So it gives me some direction of the things I should pursue. I have to think about what's holding me back. What are my weaknesses? What, what can I do today? What are my resource limitations? Is it time? Oftentimes it is. If you got... Like, I'm about to have, dude, get real, man. I'm about to have serious limitations with a second kid's born. <laughs> I have uh, two crying babies at night who need to be coddled. And that means less sleep. That means less time during the day because i got to sort of catch up on things and try to maybe sleep in or, you know, whatever. Maybe I have equipment limitations. Maybe I just have some kind of work limitation. All these things seem negative up front, but actually they give you clear purpose. Like, if they're not going to be displaced. They're equally as important in your life, right? You can't just, like, ignore this shit. So you build your training around it, but in a, in a very awesome way, from all that, your, your, <laughs> the tequila's making that word sound weird, your perfect path begins to open up. It begins to merge on its own. That's the way you start working out your program. It doesn't fucking matter what other people are doing. Other people don't have your life. They don't have your specific goals. They don't have your history. I can get frustrated all day that I can't do certain things that other people can do, but I got to sort of own up to my history and I got to embrace what I can do now. So I got to go for the lowest hanging fruit. I got to go for the next best thing. So that's, that's how, that's where the fun actually comes back for me. Cause I realize there's always limitations, but it doesn't really stop me from doing what I need to do. There's all this shit I wish I could do still. Like, you know, I wish I could spend fucking eight hours a day working on my snatch. It'd been prove a lot better, but it's just not in the cards. It doesn't have to be in the cards. This doesn't have to be in my path. So I thought that was a cool idea that, if you, if you take a moment to consider the constraints that actually can, you can figure out all the possibilities. That's a cool second point to make. Yes, man. Ugh. I know I always like tend to sigh when Chris gets, Chris gets done and it's because like every time I 
uh, I intend to go a particular direction with the conversation, and then he'll say something that just registers in my brain differently, and then I'm like, ah, oh, these notes, they don't even matter. Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind for me, I've heard this idea, the power of constraints, told from just a slightly inverse perspective. I knew it as something called the paradox of choice by a guy named, uh, I think it was Barry Schwartz. He was a Harvard professor. My academic background, professional background as a strategist, I talked. I had language for this, like constraints in strategy uh, is a is something that's a regular topic of conversation. Because at any given time, as a strategist, you are trying to find optimal or at least within a, a a confidence interval, like certain decisions that make the most sense given the circumstances. Okay, and so the true power of a constraint that Chris was getting at is that when you put a constraint onto your decision making, it actually eliminates a lot of choices immediately. So by chiseling down the amount of choices, the more clear we can be in our decision making. And the way that Barry Schwartz put it was very funny. It was an anecdote uh, story about buying a pair of jeans. And so he used to, you know, he said he was like a, a Levi guy, just the typical blue jean that you got to wear them a gazillion times before they start to break in and feel good. And so that's his, that's, you know, that's really his only, you know, understanding of jeans. So he goes to the store and now he asks for where the jeans are. And the guy starts asking him all sorts of questions. Do you want slim fit, boot cut? Do you want it flared? Do you want it high rise? Do you want it slim? And his response was, give me the kind that used to be the only kind. And what ended up happening was he said he was there for an hour. He got the best fitting pair of jeans he'd ever gotten in his entire life, but had never felt worse about a decision because they weren't perfect. And the point he was making is that when we're given so many options, we wait around to try to find or hold a certain stress on ourselves to find the perfect choice. Chris said he called it like your passion. You know, we think about your passion like it's some divine, like sent from God thing that like it's this one and only thing that I have to aspire to and I have to discover it. And the truth is, is passion or purpose, it's not it's not just a, a noun. It's more of just a, a sense of being, you know, or like an action verb. It's not about, you know, uh, I guess having a purpose, it's about being on purpose or being in purpose. The same thing here. It's not about, uh, uh, you know, finding the one true thing because a lot of times the stress of having to weed through all of these different variables when things look very familiar, it can make the decision just never feel very fulfilling, even if we're in a better circumstance than when we started. So what Chris is saying is this. By narrowing, by looking at your constraints, you can eliminate all this crap that you don't have to worry about, you know, and the more crap that we can weed out that we don't have to worry about, then the more clear and firm we can be in the decision that we're making. So if we're not trying to find the one and only passion or the one and only purpose or the one and only action, we cut it down and say, okay, well, what is an action that I can take that's available to me? And how can I reduce the set of choices down to things that are very 
very clear to define. This leads me in this direction and this decision leads me in a very different direction and now I can weigh one versus the other versus where it seems like all these roads collide and you can't tell which one is heading in which direction and you just don't know what to do, right? That's where the paralysis comes from. So what the question that I propose to myself here is like, what are my constraints right now? And more to the point, like where is my opportunity by understanding what my constraints are. As a coach and as a as a brick and mortar gym owner, you know, I was slapped some pretty strong constraints very quickly. I had to uh, we're encouraged to be at home as much as possible. I had to close the gym to protect our community and by law it's like not a, you know, they've now asked us to close down. And so it's like okay, well these are constraints. I'm at home more. Um, I'm around my spouse more. I'm around the things that can distract me more. Like these are, you know, seem like very daunting constraints. But then I realized that like, actually, I have a tremendous opportunity to work on things that I've been really saying one day, someday I want to work on. Being more present digitally for my recess community and for the Barbell Buddha fans out there. Like this is something that, I desire to do, and now because of these constraints, because I can't go to the gym, because I am home more, because I have my exercise equipment at home, because I have the knowledge to help people that have constraints build a better life for themselves, because I have these tools, I I mean, it just seems clear to me that the next best thing that I can do is to try to blast this off even harder to try to push harder on being a better podcast host, to push harder on developing better content that helps more people, that is better quality, to show up better for my community by offering more services than just exercise. Um, And so it's like now that I see these constraints, uh, I've eliminated all this stuff that just doesn't really apply to me anymore. And I can really focus my attention in a way that's, Uh, powerful in a way that is intense and in a way that has a rhythm to it, I can apply constraints to my life to empower me and not disempower me. And uh, one of the things that I intend to do is to carry on Chris's garden project. Um, The garden project, he does talk about it and he spells out a very clear vision of what the garden project would be to him and I'm I'm gonna hold to that. I've already started doing this with my recess community, but I can tweak it just a little bit for the strength nuts out there and I intend to do that in a Barbell Buddha Rediscovered Garden Project in honor of Chris Moore and that'll include things like having a prescribed daily wad with a few little exercise video demos that you can access, a weekly webinar where we can get on the horn together and just talk, doing some Q&A sections where you guys can ask limitless questions, where we can sit down from time to time, um, where we can train together, where I can hop, where we can hop on a Zoom call and actually train together or have me coach you answering some questions, you know, answering a survey where what's limiting you in your training, what is in in an ideal world, like what would you get from your training? Like we can start to build this thing together. And again, I've already started this with the recess community and uh, I'm going to be doing a garden project and I hope that you'll join me. But that's going to require me working harder (laughs) with more specified intention. It's not going to get easier from here. Um, And 
this is where I'm going to pass it back to Chris. It's the perfect transition because honestly, like the work's scary. Um, I'm experiencing a lot of doubt. Even though I'm excited, I'm still experiencing doubt. And I felt like I had hit this peak moment where I'm standing at the top of the mountain and it's just going to be this easy trek down. All I have to do is keep moving. Chris says it too. All he has to do is keep moving. And so Chris wrote a piece called Coming Down the Mountain. And it's the perfect way to end this show. Again, um, I'm experiencing this. I'm ready to work hard, but... I was expecting it to get easier, but now I have these constraints on me and I see that there is a path forward. There is a next best thing that I can do and that's to serve more, to to be more for everyone, for myself and for the people around me and for the people that I support and that support me. I can do that, but fuck, man, is it scary. And Chris has some uh, wise words um, for us in the spoken word and as something that he wrote down called Coming Down the Mountain. And it's the perfect way to end the show. And as, of course, Chris will close the show all the way to the end like only he can. Chris, thank you. I appreciate it. And I'll catch up with everyone for episode 53. So there, all done with the business part. Uh, How will I close tonight? Well, I'll tell you I'm going to close. Fucking story time. (laughs) Uh, I might act a little bit during this. I might not. Who knows? Uh, but it should be fun. Before I go, this, this, this piece is actually something I wrote and put up on the website yesterday. Uh, sort of a continuation of this unfolding story I got going about change in the year 2014. Uh, but I was actually pretty happy with this. This is about a thousand page, not a thousand page, Jesus, thousand word post I put up in like less than an hour. Just kind of sometimes when you're writing stuff, it just comes to you and you got to roll with it. And it's unfiltered. I didn't even edit it. I just kind of threw it down. I'm going to read it for you now dramatically, but after I finish this margarita, hold on. Mm. Fuck me. When you put salt and red grapefruit and tequila and ice in a jar, in a fucking mason jar, you hear that? That's got a special sound to it. Fuck, it tastes amazing. And yeah, I know I know it's not quite March, which is tequila season in my book. But after a day like today, sometimes you just got to do it. Right on. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? Are you ready? Okay, let me get my speaking voice on. Here we go. Coming down the mountain, read dramatically by your friend Chris. The dream peaks right at the summit, the tippy top of the struggle, the cathartic moment you've been waiting for your entire adult life. Or so you think. That long, desperate, grueling climb is done. Now, possibility flows out and down the back slope like an unstoppable waterfall all the way down to that distant shore if you truly want what you say you want in this life all you got to do now is walk one foot after the other closing the distance between this summit and that goal off in the distance whatever it is your momentum will carry you there all on its own or so you think the romanticized version of the dream includes a triumphant descent full of pomp and triumphant display appropriately coupled with a soundtrack of righteous late 1980s rock anthems straight out of my fucking suburban origin, <laughs> my MTV-fueled soundtrack. I can see it all now as if it were real as this keyboard before me and this microphone. I am grinning ear to ear, but with one eyebrow forcibly raised into a peak as if to communicate a warning to all those who would persist in trying to hold me down. This is no joke. 
I pack plenty of black powder behind each of these words. Now's the time. The time is now. So if you please, move out of my fucking way. <laughs> I smile because I can. The timely accompaniment, accompaniment of Jane's Addiction's mountain song does most of the moving for me. I turn the volume to fucking 11 and never once think of looking back until I hear the whispering start. Oh, the whispering. Every part of the stream is real. The long, hard climb does bring a release, that cathartic moment, sure. But from now on, there is no limit for what I can achieve or what I can become. There are no more large boulders ahead of me that I've got to climb over or around. But now you have to deal with a new threat, something that is a master of resistance and fear, something that is way more real than your still coalescing dream. Here's a hint. You are now prey. I walk down the path, on fire with confidence and hope for the future, renewed for the first time in years and years, and that's when I hear those words. Something is back over my shoulder, <clears throat> leaning against a tree just off the trail. It strikes a match and draws hot cigarette smoke in its lungs, then whispers just loud enough for me to hear, you sure you know what you're doing, kid? I hold the smile, despite the fact that this fucking whisper has shot right into my gut like an arrow. Yeah. The hardest part is now done, right? All I gotta do is keep moving. I just keep on moving. <laughs> I look back just enough to notice that devious fucking look, man. The kind of expression that can only be fueled by experience. Innumerable years of experience that span the entire history of my hopeful, silly species existence. Then comes the reply. Oh, is that right? Still, more smoke filling the vision. I stare and stare, but nothing else is said. Nothing else has to be said. It's not necessary. The arrow has done its work. The poison spreads. I can feel myself growing weak, doubtful, hesitant, dizzy. I grab at whatever I can, any limb that's strong enough to hold my weight. I feel heavier and heavier by the minute. I want to stop, if only for a while. I look around for help, a model of what to do, a solution, or maybe some kind of serum that'll magically remove this gripping fucking fear. But no luck. What I could not have imagined before this moment, right fucking now, is that this is the real summit. This is the crossroads. This is the moment that I might break and fail. That dark force of resistance has never had to work very hard for its meals. Most fall and die right here. I can see why. It's tough. They are unprepared. They are deeply scared. But something else rings out at me, a simple truth. This dark force is a lying bitch. <laughs> It cannot know what I know. It cannot see what I see. It only has this one trick, as effective as it might be. What, with that realization, I find relief, actually. I remember that resistance whispers from within my own head. I remember that fear of the future is nothing more than a false projection. I'm only guessing at what might happen, drawing mostly from past wounds, my failures, my blown opportunities. How could I not imagine the worst? How could it not be paralyzing? But that's just it. A simple change of perspective is enough to get me back on my feet, smiling, eyebrow cocked and loaded. This guy Judo captured the moment perfectly forever with just one quote. What is needed, rather than running away or controlling or suppressing or any other resistance, is understanding the fear. That means watch it, learn about it, come directly into contact with it. We are to learn about fear, not to escape from it. The fear I feel now has nothing to do with the future. It's actually just a very useful indicator. It's a warning that there's a gap between where I am and where I'm trying to go. 
But the intention is not to paralyze me. Rather, it's a call to work harder. If I am to close this gap, if I'm to remain outside the reach of that fucker with a cigarette, then I have to work harder than I ever did before. Harder than before to keep this momentum. I have to close that gap with toil, learning all that I can at every moment. That effort is fortifying. It's the engine that keeps the momentum. It will drive me to where I need to be. I feel better knowing what I have to do now, but I'll be damned if I do it in silence. I dust off my boots, I straighten my spine, then I turn the volume back up to 11. As the lyrics go, everybody has their own opinion. It hurts so bad sometimes, but none of that bothers me now, not anymore. I am ready to do the work. I am ready to cash in, baby. Mmm. That was fucking fun, dude. <laughs> hey, man, let me close this show by saying, if anybody's got any questions for me or anything you want to hear me cover, anything you want me to talk about, any funny stories, any good coffee recipes, any good tequila recipes, any good uh, cheat meals, I really enjoy hearing from you. So tweet at me, Instagram me, uh, Facebook me, comment at YouTube. Uh, no matter how you want to do it, I'll get back with you, man. I swear. I really do enjoy this, and I, I get a kick out of it. And if, I, if there's anything I can do to help you, I will certainly fucking do it. Trust me. And the least you can do is fill that server for me. <laughs> uh, hey, man, with that, we talked enough. I'm going to go on eat my ice cream and finish my drink. And I wish you, hey, I'm not just bullshitting. I don't just say this for the sake of saying it. I wish you the best possible weekend ahead. Get some rest. Spend time with your family, the ones you love. Read a book. Open up the possibilities. Think of what you need to do to make your dreams come true. And fucking believe me, as Kurt Vonnegut said, if you pretend to be something, you gotta be careful. But if you pretend to be something, you will become what you pretend to be. So pretend to be righteous and awesome and understanding and smart and kind and all that good shit. And I look forward to speaking to you next week, homie and ladies. Keep off and keep being sexy. Until next time.